I'm Jock Wilson. This is Football North. You know, when you've been around for over 100 years like the CFL has been, there are so many stories to tell, so many characters that have played this game, bigger-than-life personalities. And we're going to talk to a couple of those personalities on the show today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine eating a bug in a dressing room because you're dared to by your teammates are licking a foot cream off another player's foot. Yes, that happened in the Canadian Football League. We're going to talk to the player who did it a little bit later on. But first, one of the biggest personalities ever to call a game in the Canadian Football League, the legendary play-by-play voice of the double E, the green and gold. Of course, I'm talking about Brian Hall. Brian, thanks so much for joining us on Football North. Hey, I can tell you, I didn't have any of those things that, uh, you know, you were talking. Hey, are you kidding? No, everything's really good, Jock. Good to talk with you. Uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, you, how many years did you actually call in, in, in the Canadian Football League, Brian? I, I forget. About 19, about 19, uh, about 45. 45 uh, years. Ni- 1965 was the first year and uh, through 2010. That's, uh, you know, it, it was an amazing career. And, and we talk about the colorful personalities and, and just the characters of the game. And, and you're one of those characters, in my, in my opinion, Brian. But uh, let, let's talk about some of the players that you have ha- had to deal with. Uh, well, what stands out in, in, in your mind with some of the players you've dealt with? You know, when you talk to me about that kind of thing, and I, I would expect that a lot of people would say, well, this guy's got to have a lot of stories. He has to have... I, you know, I never went there. I never, I never really had any of those things happen. All I have are the memories of, of uh, you know, big events, things that happened. Uh, 62 Grey Cups I've been to, you know, the Fog Bowl, the things that have happened, the involvement of the game from the 50s when I broke into it. I've covered the uh, then Eskimos, now the Green and Gold, the Edmonton Elk. I've covered them all but four years of their existence. They began in 1949, and I first started covering them in 1953 and you know so i've been there for all eras i've seen all the different players i've seen the involvement of the game uh from standpoint of before when it was the wifu the western Indian provincial football union and the orfu the ontario rugby football union there was no interlock east never played west except in the gray cup it was always held in toronto at the, uh, you know, old uh, stadium, actually Varsity Stadium, the University of Toronto. Then it moved down to the Lakeshore to Exhibition Stadium. And now, of course, it's the Sky Dome, but, uh, which is Rogers Centre in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying through all of that, the involvement of the game into one league and the committee for one league and the involvement uh, because Edmonton was very, very much involved, the start of you know, uh, the 1954 after the British Empire Games, the building of Empire Stadium in Vancouver, where they no longer play, of course. But uh, that, that's what brought the BC Lions in. And then all the other things that happened during the course of that time, from the first commissioner, Sid Halter, to now. And, uh, you know, all, all of the areas that y- y- you can think about, you know, I've, I've been involved with, mm-hmm. or I've, I've certainly covered throughout the league there's been a lot of crazy people in the league of course there's been uh, you know well no listen but i i lovable characters like angel angie mosca you know with the hamilton tiger cats one of the all-time great tough guys defensive lineman with the hamilton tiger cats who passed not too recently and uh, the of course the best in my view all-round player was jackie parker 
And there were some other great players, Kenny playing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, and then, of course, when we had the people that came into the league who were a bit of characters, you had one of them in Calgary when you had that, that family involved and, and uh, the things that happened mm. with the uh, Red Raiders from the South, as I call them. And, and uh, I started covering them at old Mawada Stadium in Calgary. Into uh, was, you know, I mean, it, it just goes on and on for me, Jock. All those kind of memories, the Grey Cups, uh, the crazy things that happened. And now where are we going from here? And that's a very important question for me is where do we go from here? It's, it's a very, very important question. And, and, and Brian, you know, you've, you've summed it up beautifully because you've seen the good, the bad, the beautiful, and a little bit of the ugly in, in the Canadian Football League. Uh, so, so, so first of all, what's, what's the best thing you've ever covered in this game? I'm, I'm curious, you know. You can't, don't ask me that because I can't tell <laughs> you. You can't tell me. There, eh? there, there, no, there is not a best thing that I've ever covered because – Every season is a season onto its own, just like any coach will tell you. Every game is a game onto its own. So I, I, I'm not going to sit back and say, well, this is the best I've ever covered. Okay. Uh, because um, the, 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 they've, all been, they've all really been good, but there's no one game or no one happening that stands out, you know, just, wow, that was a great thing. Uh, I never had any of that. Okay, well, well, that's interesting because you know, I, I if if I go the other way and, and I look at some of the things that I've covered, you know, from a negative standpoint, you know, American expansion was was a complete farce. It didn't work. You know, here in Calgary, it was probably the saddest moment when we went through the SOS campaign. I thought the Stampeders were dead and buried. We had Richie Hall, you know, on the front page of the of the Calgary Sun. He was in tears. We all thought this uh, this organization uh, was going to die. You know, the, 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 those are memories that that stand out for me, not in a good way. There's lots of good things that. That stand out. How about yourself? Because this league has certainly gone through some highs and some lows. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about standout things, I mean, five in a row for Huey Campbell. Yeah. You know, 1978 through 82. I remember very vividly the worst time ever in the history of the Eskimos, as an example, was the 1960s. So if you want something that was good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly time was the 1960s. And that was when they had the big purge of 1963. And they fired Eagle Keys, and, and Jackie Parker had been traded away to the Toronto Argonauts. And, uh, you know, I mean, things just seemed so bad. And there was – Norm Kimball had not yet arrived on the scene as the general manager of the club. But in 1965, the first year I started covering, teams used to just beat the hell out of the, uh, out of the green and gold because they were so bad. We went through 21 quarterbacks. Before we finally got things rolling, right near the end of the decade, Kimball had arrived on the scene. They started, Dave Cutler arrived in the late 60s. That started things, and defensively they got better. And they had to have a quarterback, and Kimball went in and told the board of directors, he says, uh, you know, I either take the, the, the elastic off the plastic band and let me go and get some players or fold it up right now. Make up, your, make up your mind. That's what he told the board. The board said, go get him. He went down. He got Bruce Limerman, who had played for Atlanta in the NFL. And uh, then there was the happening uh, with the BC Lions when Parker and Eagle Keys were out there running the organization. And they released a bunch of players, eight of whom wound up here with the green and gold. Among them was uh, Tom Wilkinson. Things started changing. Ray Yock who was a former great running back, uh, Niowa Hawkeye, was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers guy, became the head coach, succeeding Neil Armstrong, who was fired after the 1969 season. And in 1970, Yacht came in, and then they turned it around. Lemmerman, those people arrived, 
and we finally wound up getting back into a great cup in 1973. We lost it to the Ottawa Rough Riders, but they at least were in the game in 1973. They had not been there since 1960 when they uh, played in the game out there in Vancouver. So, I mean, that, that was the dark era. That was the terrible era. Uh, for the uh, green and gold. Mm. But other than that, it, you know, it, it's been terrific. You talk about what happened with the expansion. I think Doug Mitchell was the uh, commissioner of the league at that time. And you say it was a terrible thing, a farce, and it, you know, it was, but what it did was it's, it, it actually wound up saving the league. Somehow or another, it, it really wound up saving the league. Many times this league has been, uh, you know, right on the, right on the cusp of, oh, that's it gone done and then you know there was the senator uh the the hamilton man who who saved them and he came in you know who i'm talking about right that was uh, that was senator braley right yeah he was uh, he was the senator he was in the uh in the uh, uh used parts business and the automotive business he wound up giving uh big money to uh, mcmaster university five million dollars he bought the toronto argos he bought the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He operated both, as a matter of fact, uh, in, in, at, 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 the, at the same time. And they wound up having back-to-back Grey Cups, B.C. and Toronto. So, I mean, you know, it was, uh, it was, oh, it was, there's been a lot of stories. <laughs> you know, if you want to, if you want to go to down times, there's been, there's been a ton of stories and times when this league had to be saved. But, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about where the league is going right now. I don't want to get into that. But uh, we've been there before, been there, done that. Yeah. But no, uh, we've, had, we've had some fantastic times. And, of course, they're trying to get Atlantic Canada in, which I think is just, uh, anyway, that will never happen. And, well, you know that. But they try these things. I know, because I know. It's all, it's all part of the mosaic. It's all part of Canada. The CFL is Canada. So... That's where we are. Will we ever see a dynasty in the Canadian Football League again like we did with the green and gold, you know, with, with five championships in a row? Some people say maybe Winnipeg is heading there right now. What, what do you think, Brian? Well, I don't know, and, and uh, I, I, I would highly doubt that. I mean, how many, how many five in a row have there been? One. There's only been one. <laughs> yeah, one, exactly. yeah, okay. <laughs> so that answers, that answers your question pretty hard to win three in a row never mind five in a row but, but Winnipeg Blue Bombers could win it all this year I would probably say that the Bombers are the team that will win it again this year they're that good mm-hmm. they're the only end well they're the only unbeaten team at this moment but uh that, so that would make it what three in a row you gotta go two after that you know no I don't think there'll be five in a row I, I doubt that very much it doesn't happen very often in any sports league occasionally it does yeah, it's so true. Okay, did you say 62 Great Cups you've covered? Yeah. 62. What was your first? Uh, 1954. Where was that at? Toronto. Toronto. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was the game when uh, uh, the uh, uh, Green and Gold had Jackie Parker, Normie Kwong, okay. Johnny Bright, all these people. And in those days, what happened, Jock, was you played both ways. You played offense and defense as a player. Right. And, uh, and that's why Jackie Parker had just come in from Mississippi State. Uh, when they played the mighty Montreal Alouettes, Sam the Rifle at Chaberry and Pat the Bruiser of Bruzy running out of the backfield and the great receivers of Red O'Quinn and Prince Hal Patterson. 
uh, that uh, and Bob Cruen, who was a sports writer for the Toronto Telegram at the time, and that was the forerunner to the Edmonton and Calgary and the rest of the Sun publications across the country. That's how it came about because uh, John Bassett, uh, they folded up the Toronto Telegram and a bunch of employees got together and gave us the Sun newspaper chain. But anyway, Bob Cruen worked for the Telegram and he wrote, I recall it vividly, about the mighty Montreal Alouettes going to uh, Varsity Stadium in Toronto for the Grey Cup against a $2 team from the West called the Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, the game was uh, Wes McKnight, who worked for CFRB in Toronto and was calling the game. Uh, I heard afterward that he had some big money on the game. And a lot of people had big money on the game, including some from Edmonton. There's another story regarding that. But anyway, uh, they went down there and it wound up, hey, there, were, there it was, Jackie Parker in the backfield, and uh, boom, a fumble, and the ball scooped up by Jackie, and he runs almost the entire football field. I can't remember the yardage, but it was, you know, it was, it was probably 100 yards because it was very deep in the Edmonton zone, and then the fumble was there, and uh, boom, they return it, Jackie does, and uh, the winning Bob Dean kicks the winning point. Edmonton wins by a score of 26-25. to 25. That was my first great cup. Fantastic. Fantastic stories. And, you know, it's interesting. Back in the day, they, they used to only go to a couple of cities for, for the Grey Cup. Now they spread it around. Uh, that's been a nice positive change for this league, don't you think? Well, you know, it's modernization. That's, yeah. that's what the story is, Chuck. I mean, you, you know, you, you keep on growing. And uh, when we had Edmonton and the teams that were in the league then, and then you had, as I said, 1954, the BC Lions come in. And, you know, the league continues to grow. So why wouldn't you, when you have new stadiums, and that's why we got here, Commonwealth Games 1978, and we had Commonwealth Stadium, and they moved in there. Uh, They had the uh, situation with Empire Stadium, as I mentioned, and as you get better stadiums, you you start getting games. Uh, Even Calgary, which, and you badly need a stadium down there, but uh, even with that, You've got a big enough stadium, you can have it, and that's why they do move it around because it was a way for teams. Teams made money, made big money during uh, uh, having uh, holding a Grey Cup game. Like I, I mentioned earlier about the uh, Toronto Argos and the BC Lions. Uh, well, what happened there was uh, back-to-back Grey Cups and the same owner. And you know, when I said you made money, like you made six or seven million dollars on a Grey Cup. Now they spread the money around. Right. Right. Okay, you asked the question earlier, Brian, you know, where, where do we go from here? And, and I think that's a great, great question. You know, you've already, you've already given me your opinion. You don't think there's going to be a 10th team in, in, in the Maritimes, and, 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 and I don't disagree with that. You know, I, I, just, I, I just don't see it happening in my lifetime. So where, where, where does this league go from here, in your opinion? Well, first of all, you're not going to have, in my view, any more franchises because they've got to look after the franchises they have. And, you know, you just recently, just prior to COVID happening, you had a new owner with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, You've got the situation in Toronto. Toronto's always bad and will always be bad. And maybe if you're going to have a new franchise, you could have it somewhere else other than in Toronto. I don't know where you would have it. They'd have to stop and take a look at it. But uh, Toronto will never, ever, ever be anything for the CFL, even though the league is headquartered there. 
And it's, it's very simple. Toronto is a very different area, and so is, the, so is the province of Ontario. Ontario used to be British Empire loyalists. Ontario now is just a, another state in the United States. You know it, and I know it, and it's very true. It's a great influence of the United States. It is there. They're in the major leagues with, with the uh, basketball and with the baseball and with the hockey and with everything else. And as a result, uh, down there, the uh, league doesn't get much coverage, and there's too much else going on. Major League Soccer is another reason why. So that, that, that's, that's what concerns me is that area of, say, Toronto, and they've got to do something about that. If they're gonna, but they're never going to do it in Toronto. You'd have to move it somewhere else. And that's why I'm saying Atlantic Canada is not the answer. They don't have facilities. They don't have anything going out there at all. So you can forget about Atlantic Canada. But what I'm getting at here is the prairies are great because Saskatchewan, it's the other way with Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, there's very little that goes on there except wheat growing. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, uh, they got a, a nice junior hockey uh, set up there, and they've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's Saskatchewan, the province of Alberta. It's the opposite of Toronto. Toronto, that has so much, and Saskatchewan, that has very little. Winnipeg is pretty much the same situation. The prairies, and that includes, you know, Edmonton. Stop and think about it, because I was thinking about it the other day. Here in Edmonton, as an example, at one time, we had, you know, really top thoroughbred horse racing. We had, uh, uh, in addition to that, we had Pacific Coast League AAA baseball with the Edmonton Trappers. Uh, We had, of course, uh, the green and gold. And then we had the hockey, and we've still got the hockey, of course. And there are many other things that were going on, but all of those things now have left. We don't have any of those anymore. And right now what's happening is these towns, like Edmonton and Calgary, our towns, are becoming one-sport towns. It's a bad situation because we don't have the community involvement anymore. Everything has become sort of uh, like it's all about me and it's about what I can do for me. And uh, they zero in on just one thing, which in our case is hockey. It gets played up everywhere. I'm not knocking hockey. I mean, I'm a hockey guy myself. I love hockey. But I also like to have all of the other events. We just don't have it here. And out there in B.C., it's, again, a very different part of the country, that great barrier of the Rocky Mountains and where they're located, again, very close to the United States and a very different situation being on the seaboard and so on. So you've got a very diversified country here. And, you know, Quebec, even as as great as Quebec is, how hard it is they can't get a hockey franchise in uh, in the province uh, of Quebec, in, in, in their, you know, capital city. They love to be in, they've got the arena, they've got everything, but they can't get in. And that's what the difficulty is now for a lot of areas and what we're looking at. And so when you say, again, that I mentioned about I'm asking where is the league going, I'm asking where is the league going? Because right at this time, if you look at the attendance figures, COVID really, really hurt the Canadian Football League. We had an entire season wiped out, you know, because of it. And then the other season we had, it was a shortened schedule down to 14 games. So, I mean, it's, it's... It's a very valid question, and it's a difficult one to answer. And I, as I said, I, I, I 
I, I really, in a way, uh, am fearful of the league. But as I said, we've been there before, mm-hmm. back in the uh, 90s, when we had that situation. And we've had the problem with franchises. But this time, we don't have the, you know, the philanthropic uh, senator Well, you know, the one thing about this league, and, uh, you know, I haven't been covering it as long as you have, Brian, but it has been resilient because every time you think it's going to die a slow death, it seems to bounce back. So hopefully that's going to be the case. Hey, when when you look back at your own career, and and I know you hate talking about yourself, but uh, is there a word that you would describe, you know, your 45 years calling the green and gold? And and I know you're still involved, you know, in in Edmonton. Uh, how, How would you sum up your own career? I don't know. Just, you know, get up to work. Every day, that's it. Get up to go to work. That's it. You're blessed. And You're... I, hey, Jock, I only go one day at a time. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, like, it's like that saying, God promises no tomorrows. <laughs> I, really, I, I live for the moment. I live for today. Yesterday is gone. I had a good time. Today is today. I want to see what happens during the course of this day, how my... Well, how my life might change or may not change or continue to be, I'm very blessed with good health and a good time and a whole lot of good people around me. So I mean, you can't have it any better than that. But as I said, I just go for the moment. I tell you what, uh, one of my one of my great friends here in Calgary and no longer with us, Billy Powers, he was one of the true characters of the game. And, and Brian, you're one of the great personalities, one of the great characters of the game. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, anytime, Jock. Hey, if you're talking about some of the biggest, most colorful personalities in the Canadian Football League, you have to put the name Scott Coe in the mix. Colorful on and off the field, he truly was one of the characters of the game. One of the great characters of the game. Seven years in the CFL, Hamilton, Calgary, and Edmonton. Scott Coe now joins us on Football North. Hey, Scott, colorful or crazy, uh, how would you sum up your career? How about a little of column A, a little of column B? Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll go with that. <laughs> and I don't know the mixture. Is it 90-10 or 10-90? But either way, it's... Uh that certainly describes it quite well. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. You know, you, you obviously were a professional. You cared about the game, but you also had fun at the game. And, and I think that's important. I, I'm not sure today's athlete has as much fun as you guys did. Well, I mean, the game has evolved so much, Jock. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were very fortunate, uh, you know, in, in my time in the CFL. And I'm sure guys before me would say the same. and The guys before them would say the same thing. You know, we we weren't making a ton of money in the CFL. We truly did play for the love of the game. And, you know, I think, and maybe it was just because it was browbeaten into me by my parents and my grandparents, you better go out, get an education and get a job so you can really support a family when that comes around. But uh, at the time, you know, the CFL was, it was a job. It was not a career. I was not making millions of dollars. So my, my thought process of the whole thing was, look, Let's have some fun. You got a great job. It's one of the best jobs around uh, in Canada, playing in front of, you know, 35,000 people every weekend. Uh, You know, very fortunate to play in a, you know, couple of great cities, you know, being able to, you know, live my youth, if you will, my 20s in a locker room uh, (laughs) setting. It's uh, it's tough to be right with a bunch of immature kids and guys. I use the term loosely. But uh, we had a grand old time, and that's the way I approached it. We're, we're going to get into some of your stories in a minute, but uh, I, I'm curious with some of the guys that you played. Who are some of the who are some of the colorful, crazy uh, characters in the game, in your opinion? 
the game today or the game when no, I played? No, the, the game when you played. Like, who, who are some oh. of your teammates that stood out? Well, I mean, there's no Nick Lewis and Jermaine Copeland were two were two big, uh, big, you know, outgoing, grand, yo soak type of guys. They were they were two guys that really kind of fit that mold for sure. Um, and then you know what, Wes Lysack, Burke Dales. You know, in our locker room, we really uh, we really enjoyed ourselves when we went and played. So they were they were colorful characters in the locker room, and when you got to know them out of the locker room, uh, when you got them out of there, I would say shell. It wasn't much of a shell. We were we were the outgoing group for sure. <laughs> did, did you guys play pranks on each other? I've talked to some of the old times uh, Calgary Flames, and they they loved uh, playing pranks on each other on on road trips. Did you guys do that? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't even—I don't even know what I'm allowed to say these days, you know. But uh, we certainly did play a lot of lot of practical jokes on guys. One of one of the ones that stands out to me, just you know, something so simple but so funny. Uh, there was a young linebacker. His name's Mark Mitchell. He's actually a professor at—I believe it's at Queens right now. But uh, he was a rookie with us, and you know, when you go you go to road trip, you got to have your bags. It comes off the carousel. Well, we, we took his bag off the carousel without him knowing, opened it up, and started putting his clothes one by one on the carousel. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's looking, hey, that's my shirt. Hey, those are my running shoes, right? <laughs> just one piece of article of clothing at a time. And just, you know, he's, what happened? and we, of course, egging him on. Oh, your bag must have been broken. It just came down the, you know, the... Uh, the belt that way, and oh yeah, he had all his clothes carried in his hand, and yeah, it was quite comical when we rolled out onto the bus when he's got a his hands full of clothes and no bag. Uh, boys will be boys. I think that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. You you tell a great story. You know, you know everybody knows uh, when you played, you you had the colorful hair. Um, you did that to stand out early in your career. Share that story with us. Yeah, I mean, I started my career in Hamilton, uh, and we had a. We had a defensive uh, a defense quarter named Sudsy um, Sutherland, and he was he was you know old school, right? And uh, I had a teammate named Tony Miles, who was a receiver, and we you know we wanted to stand out. You know, we were a couple of young rookies who got to play a lot when we were in Hamilton, so we wanted to stand out even more. So we we both dyed our hair bleach blonde. We wore just some stupid outfits on the road. I mean, just some of the ugliest Hawaiian shirts you'd ever see. We'd find some bowling shoes to wear. And we just, we tried to just stand out. It almost kind of ticked the coaches off a little bit more than anything, just to get a laugh out of them, laugh out of our teammates. And, and yeah, we certainly did stand out, but that's how the whole hair dyeing started when I was in Hamilton. And then from then on, it was just, uh, it was an eye catcher. It was something that everybody knew I was going to do, grew my hair long and blonde and red and black and pink and <laughs> half my head one color and the other uh, i'll tell you my my dad shakes his head every time but uh, you know my mom loved it I, a lot of my cousins i'm the oldest of 11 of cousins on one side they all loved you know my hair being long and crazy and uh, being able to point me out from a mile away you're much more mature now and you have uh, you have a young family uh, do, do 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 your kids uh, want to dye their hair too or do you or do, you don't even tell them those stories yet <laughs> Well, they they have seen a few pictures. Um, I'm starting to adopt my fatherly mentality and saying, "Do as I say, not as I do," because uh, clearly, as I did when I was young, was quite wild. But uh, no, they they've seen all my magical hairstyles, and uh, so far, 
My son's pretty good. My daughter, she like to see might see a few different colors in her hair, but uh, <laughs> my my wife really tries to reel that all in. <laughs> oh, you know what? I remember my daughter was your daughter's age. Uh, she she painted my toenails. I had no idea at the time because I'm colorblind. She painted them pink, and I went to a couple of business meetings with uh, with pink toenails. Like that stood out, my friend. That stood out. Uh, no, those... no, no. I mean, I'm not sure what type of business meetings you're going to with you know open shoot sandals there, Jock. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't wearing a suit. Story. I wasn't wearing a suit and tie. Let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> uh, did, did a coach ever tell you stop that crap? Don't do don't don't do that anymore. I don't like it. Yes, uh, you know, great coach, but was not all about the uh, you know individual part of the game. Mister Tom Higgins was uh, very <laughs> against a lot of the outgoing uh, shenanigans that well, you know whether it was Jermaine, whether it was Nick, myself, uh, we were some of the most outgoing you know, dressed and colorful players on the team back in 05. And uh, Coach Higgins was not a big fan of that stuff. And really it said, you got to tone that back. This is all about the team, not about you as an individual. Uh, you know, and, and and bless Tom for trying, but it really just went in one year. And <laughs> I remember when Jermaine Copeland first became a member of the Calgary Stampeders, and he comes in in that white suit. And, oh. <laughs> my God, like, if anybody could pull off a white suit, it's Jermaine Copeland. Exactly, and he had many more suits than that when we hit the road. They were they were even more flamboyant as the weeks went on, and yeah, Tom just shook his head. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Um, you also tell some great stories about some of the things that went on went, went on in the dressing room, and I, you know, I, I I can't I can't do this podcast talking about colorful characters and personalities if we don't talk about you know a couple of those uh, situations. Okay, so uh, you better you better tell the story about licking cream off a, a teammate's foot. So so what in the heck's yep. going on there? That was uh, that was a good one. That one still definitely gets pulled around the water cooler <laughs> once in a while. But uh, we were, it was a hot day. Uh, coach Dunnigan uh, was our coach at the time in 2004. And we were doing, we were in training camp and we were doing back-to-back sessions. So we would go out for a couple hours, come in for only about half an hour, 45 minutes, rest and then go out and do another on-field session. So it was a different way of doing, you know, two-a-day practices for training camp. And it was smoking hot. We came inside after one, you know, our first practice, and we were just kind of laying around, and everybody was a little exhausted. And, of course, when you get tired, your mind wanders. And um, there was one of the guys, Jeff Pilon, big offensive lineman, had some foot issues. You know, his foot was needed some cream on some of it, and, you know, of course, you know, guys start thinking. And I said, well, look, Jeff, why don't we put a bunch of that cream on your foot and I'll lick that right off your foot for 50 bucks. <laughs> and, well, of course, a few other, you know, Jay McNeil and Brian Clark and, you know, Wes Lysak, a couple of the boys that, you know, heard this and said, well, look, I'll throw in 50. No way you'll do that. Next thing I know, the pot's up to almost $300, $400 for me to take Jeff's size 15 <laughs> foot, lather it in, I'm going to call it foot fungus cream, uh, we had to double check with our doctor, you know, Pat made sure it was okay for me to eat and said, you know, first off, why are you asking me this? But, um, you know, when he, when he heard about it, he understood why I asked, but yeah, we lathered it on his foot. I grabbed his foot and I licked from the heel all the way to the toe and I had a big hunk of cream on my tongue and Jeff literally couldn't put his foot down fast enough and run to the garbage can and he vomited and I didn't. So oh, a lot is... of boys were quite quite happy about that one to see Jeff puke after I licked his foot full of cream. <laughs> you remind me of the Caddyshack movie. That kid will eat anything and, and you almost yeah. ate a bug. 
That was uh, that was another good one. Yeah, that was uh, we were. It was later in the season, probably around September, and we had a kicker named Duncan O'Mahony, Duncan O'Mahony, whatever you want to, whatever however you want to pronounce his sure. last name. And we had he had found what looked like a a, a water beetle. Uh, just in the locker room. So, you know, Gio probably wouldn't be too happy of me saying there was a water beetle in the locker room. But anyways, we found it and he kept it. And of course, you know, throughout the, my career, there's always been bets going on of what I will eat, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, a live cricket in Saskatchewan when I was a rookie uh, or uh, with, with the Ticats or here with Jeff Pilon's foot. So, Yes, the the bets started going. You know, how much is it going to take for Scott to eat this water beetle, right? You know, he's got we got it in a cup. Everybody's looking at it. We're about 20 minutes before we got to go out to practice. And I said, well, look, it's got to be more money, boys, more money. No, I'm not doing it for 100 bucks. I'll do it for, you know, a couple hundred. And I kept negotiating and tried to get more money. But by the time I negotiated a price that I was okay with, we had to go out to practice. So we went out to practice. We came back in after practice. And, of course, Duncan, as our punter, and – any punters or kickers, they don't really participate in practice. They kind of come out, kick a ball, and go back and hide in the locker room. Well, when we came back, Duncan said he did some research, and this particular beetle was a poisonous beetle that kills its prey with its venom uh, to eat. eat. So thank God I did not end up getting enough money at the time and eating this beetle because – I might not be here telling the story if that's the case. Oh my goodness, that is uh, that is too funny. Okay, what, what, one final story that I think you got to share with our listeners because it's it's also a classic. Uh, you, you live a rock star lifestyle with the Calgary Stampeders, and you got to hang out with some rock stars. I did. Yeah, uh, we were we finished a, a game, and again, I it was probably in July if my memory serves me. And you know, we're out partying one night after the game, and. I go, you know, belly up to the bar at the old Cowboys on ninth and order a couple shots. And who do I look beside me at the bar is no other than Chad Kruger from Nickelback. So, of course, my long blonde hair, his long blonde hair, we start, you know, two two peas in a pod, start chatting. (laughs) Well, I ended up uh, right till the end of the night, ended up uh, almost getting on a plane, going to Vegas with him. But if I didn't have practice, I probably would have. But he tried to convince me to get to Vegas with them because they had their plane, you know, and the hangar. So we were going to drive, you know, fly down to Vegas. Uh, ended up jumping in the limo with them. They went to the airport. Luckily, I didn't go to the airport or get on the plane. But they gave me the limo, and I took the limo right to practice the next morning. So, <laughs> lo and behold, I wasn't probably at my best at that practice. Really? I, I, I can't see that. that one. But I can't yeah, I see that. Yeah, you know, you, I tried to fight through it. I was young. You, I was you, young. you were a pro, without a doubt. Uh, okay, right. a f- final question for you. What was your What was your favorite stadium as as a, as a visitor to go into? Because you know, fans can be uh, pretty pretty crazy in this in this league. They can, you know, and, and I go through some of the list. I mean, Montreal was always a great one because they were on top of us, right? It's, it was a, a smaller McGill stadium. They were on top of you yelling and screaming, which was, which was loud. But the problem is most of the times they spoke French so nobody really understood <laughs> what they were saying. Fair enough. So they could have been saying good things or bad things, but it didn't matter. But Montreal was a nice stadium, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the most fun uh, for, as a as a visitor standpoint, so it, it's not hard to say easy one is the old you know Mosaic Stadium or in or in Saskatchewan, sure. you know, in Regina. Those the Saskatchewan fans are incredible. They are so diehard, 
and the stuff that they say, I, I mean, they're clearly on Google researching some of the guys, like some of the comments that they make, uh, you know, talking about guys, parents, guys, moms, guys, girlfriends, <laughs> guys, you know, just college. I mean, just they were on all over you, no matter what it was, they were relentless. So it was always fun playing in Saskatchewan with those fans and, and how diehard that they are. Fantastic stuff. Scotty, we, we could we could talk forever, but we're out of time. Uh, thanks so no much doubt. for your time. Man, it's, it's good to talk to you. And, uh, and uh, what, for, for the listeners out there listening in to, to Football North, what does Scott go up to these days? Um, I, I, I've put on my boring, you know, insurance hat. I'm in the insurance industry now, and uh, I get to rub elbows with all my old alumni in the oil and gas industry. But uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm in the insurance industry I enjoy it. I get to also rub shoulders with Tammy Truman, so a, gr- a great a great supporter of the Calgary Stampeders. But uh, yeah, my uh, I have a wife with two kids that keep me out of trouble, and uh, I do my best to do that now. <laughs> Scotty, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chaco. Take care, buddy. All right, that does it for another edition of Football North. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. Would love to hear your feedback. Maybe, just maybe, you have a topic that you would like us to address. Hit me up. My email address, jock at am770chqr.com.